Hey, good morning, folks. Um, hope you guys are doing well. Uh, another week inside of uh, the quarantine, and uh, things have begun to change a bit as we change our circumstances through the phases that the governor has prescribed. But uh, we continue to be redirected, and, and it's important to, to understand that. And so as I looked at uh, what I wanted to talk about this week, I thought, what we think about redirection matters. How do we put it into perspective? What do we think about redirection when it comes to our personal goals and what God may be trying to do in our lives? And so I want to look at Numbers chapter 22, and there's a story here that I want to introduce you to if you've never read it. In Numbers chapter 22, we're going to meet a guy named Balaam. And he is a central character in a story that I think you'll enjoy. Some of the backstory is that you need to understand that we're in a place in the Bible where God has already demonstrated his power and his might through this nation of Israel by leading them out of captivity in the Exodus, leading them out of Egypt, pronouncing all of the curses and all of the plagues and those things inside of Egypt and has now brought this nation of Israel to bear on the rest of the land. And so as they were seeing what was going on, uh, the countries that were around, they realized that that this nation of Israel was something we we're going to have to contend with. And so they became nervous and as God leads them out of Egypt and, and leads them, there's concern on the part of the other countries around. And so that's where we kind of pick up the stories. The nation of Israel has settled next to another country named Moab. And so let's pick it up in Numbers 22, verse 4. The Moabites said to the elders of Midian, This horde is going to lick up everything around us. As an ox licks up the grass of the field, so Balak, son of Zippor, who was the king of Moab at that time, sent messengers to summon Balaam, the son of Beor, who was at Pethor, near the Euphrates River, in his native land. Balak, the king, said, A people has come out of Egypt, and they cover the face of the land and have settled next to me. Now come out and put a curse on these people because they are too powerful for me. Perhaps then I will be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land, for I know that whoever you bless is blessed, and whoever you curse is cursed. So we're meeting two central figures here. First of all, we're meeting Balak, who is the king of the Moabs, the king of the Moabites, uh, and he is concerned that the nation of Israel is going to overrun his land. And so he's trying to protect himself. And somehow he has already heard of Balaam's reputation. Balaam is a man who, when he curses somebody, bad things happen. And when he blesses somebody, good things happen. And we're going to find out why that happens in a minute. But Balak wants to hire Balaam to pronounce a curse on his enemies to protect him from the Israelites as they surround him. So let's fast forward down here to Numbers chapter 22, and we'll see some of this take place. Numbers 22, verse 7. The elders of Moab and Midian left, taking with them a fee for divination. When they came to Balaam, 
they told him what Balak had said. And Balaam, Balaam said, Spend the night here, and I will report back to you with the answer the Lord gives me. And so the Moabite official stayed with him. God came to Balaam and asked, Who are these men with you? And Balaam said to God, Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, sent me this message. A people that has come out of Egypt covers the face of the land. Now come and put a curse on them for me. Perhaps then I will be able to defeat them and drive them away. But God said to Balaam, Do not go with them. You must not put a curse on those people, because they are blessed. The next morning, Balaam got up, said to Balak's officials, Go back to your own country, for the Lord has refused to let me go with you. And so the Moabite officials returned to Balak and said, Balaam has refused to come with us. So two things that we learn is that Balaam, first of all, is a follower of the one true God. He is someone that, that when asked a question, he seeks the wisdom of God. And when God gave him an answer, he stood firm in what he believed, and he went back and he told Balak's officials, listen, God won't let me do this. If we continue to read in the passage, we learn a little bit more about Balak as well, the king of the Moabs. He is not a guy that's going to give up. So what he does is when they come back with Balaam's answer of no, Balak sends another entourage of more powerful officials than before and with the promise of more and more money for a reward. Because Balak believes that the entourage, the people that are going, and the money will both impress Balaam and also buy him off. If I can just convince Balaam that it is in his best interest to do this, that I can make him a wealthy man, then he'll come and do it. So Balak's character is revealed in the way that he approaches this as well. So we pick up the story with Balaam having said no, Balak won't take no for an answer. He sends a whole nother contingent of people to, to beseech Balaam to come back again. And Balaam answers this way in Numbers chapter 22, verse 18. But Balaam answered them, Even if Balak gave me all the silver and gold in the palace, I could not do anything, great or small, to go beyond the command of the Lord my God. Now, spend the night here so that I can find out what else the Lord will tell me. And that night, God came to Balaam and said, Since these men have come to summon you, go with them, but do only what I tell you. So the text doesn't really give us a lot of specifics here, okay? What we read on paper, I'm going to take a little bit of speculation. I'm going to raise the bar here on what I think maybe might have been happening in this situation. First of all, when, it, when Balaam answered Balak the first time, he said, there's no way I can go with you. God won't let me go. 
Then the guys more powerful than before show up with the promise of more and more money and riches. And Balaam says, listen, even if he gives me all the gold in the palace, I can't do anything if God doesn't want me to. And so he stands firm and, and he doesn't shrink away from what God has said, but he does pivot a little bit here. And this was interesting. First couple of times I read through this, I realized Balaam's mind may be a bit more persuaded than we think. Even though he says, if they give me all the gold and silver in the palace, I can't do anything beyond the command of the Lord my God. He still then kind of says, but, but let me go ask God again. Let me see what he says this time. So he takes God's first answer and he kind of says, you know, God, the circumstances have changed. This could be a better situation than I thought. I want to ask you again, are you sure that this is what you want me to do. And I wonder if this is the beginning of Balaam's conflict. Inside of his heart is something kind of brewing, like, do I really understand what God is saying? Is that always what's best? Because right now, personal gain, personal goals are, I can be a wealthy man. I can have some prominence in this world. And so, so he starts to deal with a personal opportunity versus what God might want for him. Now, God eventually says to him, of course, now go, but only do what I tell you. Now, how do I know and extrapolate that? Well, because as I continue to read on the passage, we stopped in verse 20, and we read on verse 21, what happens next? God, God already said, go. But in Numbers 21 or 22, verse 21, Balaam got up in the morning. He saddled his donkey and went with the Moabite officials. But God was very angry when he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Now Balaam was riding on his donkey with his two servants and when the donkey saw that the angel of the Lord was standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, it turned off of the road into a field. And Balaam beat it to get back onto the road. So in a nutshell, what we see is that God says to Balaam, go. But there's something going on under the surface here because Balaam gets up, saddles his donkeys, takes off, but but God is upset with Balaam. And that's where I say there's something going on here in Balaam's heart that we can't see, that, that hasn't been revealed from the story yet. And, and I want to propose that it's this, this conflict, again, that we talked about, that it's between his personal goals for this trip and maybe what God actually wants to happen on this trip. And so Balaam is riding along. God is angry and there's something going on here between Balaam and God. God stands as an angel of the Lord right in front of the donkey. And the donkey sees the angel. Okay? So Balaam's riding along, supposed to be this man of God. And the donkey, his donkey, is what keeps him away from this angel that's standing in the road with a drawn sword, ready to kill whatever comes through. This was serious business. 
The donkey veers into the field and Balaam's reaction is to beat the donkey to get it back onto the road. Balaam seems to react pretty severely to a delay in the plans. He doesn't just do it once, but but if you read the entire story, he does it three times. The donkey turns into a field once, then turns onto a different path another time, and then in the third time, in Numbers 22, verses 27 and 33, we see this that when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, now this is the third time, it laid down under Balaam. And he was angry and he beat it with his staff. And then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth. And it said to Balaam, what have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? And Balaam answered the donkey, you have made a fool of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. And the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I I been in the habit of doing this to you? And no, he said. So that's the first interaction that we see is that, that this donkey starts to talk, okay? This is interesting, you know, we don't, we don't always ascribe the highest level of capability to donkeys, but in this story, God takes a donkey to convince a man that what he's doing is not what, the, what God wants him to do. Balaam reacts severely by beating this donkey all three times, and finally the Lord opens the donkey's mouth, and the donkey turns and looks and says, listen, why do you keep hitting me? Have I ever done anything to lead you astray? Am I in the habit of doing these things? And Balaam has to admit, no, this isn't something that you're you're normally known for. This isn't the way in which you normally uh, treat me. And and he's also trying to wrestle probably with the fact that this talking donkey is, is conveying wisdom and logic. He's talking to this beast now, and and he's saying to it, man, why are you talking to me? What what am I missing? And I'm sure Balaam is trying to to understand what is going on in the situation. And, And the question that I came to is, this donkey is an obstacle that that Balaam sees. Balaam sees just the donkey as the problem. He doesn't even realize that maybe God's trying to tell him something. And and so why didn't Balaam, Balaam stop and consider it earlier on in the journey? When the donkey first veered off the path, Balaam's first reaction was to beat the donkey to get back on the road. When he veers off onto the path, to a different path, He beats him again. And when he lays down, Balaam beats him. He's frustrated. He's angry that that these delays keep happening. He says, you made a fool of me. Frustration is typically indicative of a blocked goal. There's something that we have in mind that we view as important, more important than the delay that is happening right in front of us. In this instance, God was using a donkey 
to redirect Balaam in a way that he wanted him to go. Something was going on in Balaam's heart as he approached Moab, as he understood the personal benefits possibly of what was to be held in store in Moab, Balaam had lost sight of God. And the angel of the Lord stood literally in front of his donkey three times and Balaam couldn't see it. The donkey did, but Balaam didn't. Balaam just reacted by beating the donkey. His frustration boiled over because his personal goal was at odds with what God was trying to do, maybe, in that circumstance. Let's read on. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. And the angel of the Lord asked him, Why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me three times. If it had not turned away, I would have certainly killed you by now, but I would have spared it. The Lord basically says to Balaam, in this moment, that donkey is more righteous than you. That donkey took its time and and veered away from me to protect you. It created a delay in your plan, yes, but it was a delay that was created by my hand. I am redirecting the donkey and you refused to see it. And as Balaam lays here face down for the first time recognizing what was going on, I'm sure that that he was overwhelmed by what was going on. Your path is a reckless one before me. That's a pretty powerful statement. When we think about some of the personal goals that we set out in our lives, especially during maybe this time, We don't quite understand why all the delay, God. I had some really big plans for this year. Maybe we're not seeing entirely the full picture of what God sees. The Lord says this donkey is worth more than you. Had he not spared your life, I would have killed you. And I would have spared the donkey. It's a very kind of humorous way for us to picture what goes on in our world sometimes that this donkey would be the one to get in the road, create the delay, and us think it's the problem when in reality we're not seeing clearly and maybe that donkey is smarter than we are. When Balaam finally sees all of that picture unfold and God speaks to him and tells him how reckless his path was, in verse 34, Balaam reacts this way. He says to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I did not realize that you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now, if you are pleased, I will go back. 
And so Balaam has to contend with something in his own heart. He was on a reckless path where he thought he should be going. And the second time he pursued God in asking for the blessing of going to to find out what Balak had in store for him, he realizes now was not the path that God had for him. Balaam recognizes his sin is what he says. He says, I have sinned. And that sin caused him not to see what the Lord was doing. It kept him from seeing that the delay was actually a redirection from God. That that this time that he was on the road, God had met him three different times to get him to reconsider what he was doing. So I have a couple of questions that I formulated out of this because Balaam was first attracted by the personal goal of wealth and being someone important. And here's a king asking him to do something for him. And so... He says no first, right? Remember the whole story. Balaam says no. Balak sends higher ranking officials and more money. And Balaam says, let me me just ask God again to make sure. And then three times God opposes him on the road. And each time he can't see what God is doing. And he recognizes that his sin in his heart was causing him to be on a reckless path. And so... As we begin to analyze and to think about where we've been in the last few weeks, and and this is something that holds true in our everyday life as well, because just because we have a more more visible, tangible delay in our lives right now because of the quarantine doesn't mean that that this is the only time that we're going to have to wrestle with some of these questions because God will redirect our paths when he thinks we're being reckless. And so these couple of questions I have for you. Have you or do you regularly take time to seek Lord, the Lord for wisdom? So Balaam, in the very beginning of the story, right, when he was asked an important question, he said, listen, stay here overnight. I got to go talk to God. And he goes and he talks to God and he gets an answer. Sometimes God doesn't answer that quickly. But in this case, the principle is when you have an important question and you're concerned about something, what's the first thing that you do? Do you take time and seek what God would want you to do? When you seek him out, are you asking for his wisdom? Second one is as a result of Balaam dealing with God a second time. (laughs) Do you listen or do you pester him (laughs) until you get your way? Do you listen to what God says? Because remember, Balaam got a very clear answer. Don't go with these guys. They come back with a better offer and he says, you know what, let me ask God again. Let me just make sure God's clear on this one. And the reality is he knew what was at stake. He could could advance himself in this situation. So do you regularly seek time to, to seek out the wisdom of God? And second, do you listen? 
when you, when you seem to get a clear answer and you know in your heart that God is saying, this is the way you're supposed to go, even though it goes against your personal goals, do you listen? And third, when you come up against something that, that is a delay or a redirection, should your reaction to the circumstances be some of the gauge of where your heart actually is. If Balaam had taken a moment and thought to himself what the donkey said, why have you beaten me these three times, right? That was outside of Balaam's character too, apparently. Even though the donkey was doing something it had never done, so was Balaam. The donkey had acted in a way that that was curious to Balaam and his frustration because his personal goal was being blocked, boiled over in anger and frustration. And should that have been a gauge for Balaam to know, man, why am I so angry at this? Why am I holding so tightly to this? Why am I beating this poor animal? What is going on? What do I need to to see? What do I need to hear? So should your should your reaction to circumstances help you gauge how tightly you're holding on to your personal goals? So do you seek the Lord for wisdom? When he gives you an answer, do you listen? Or do you keep pestering and hoping that he's going to change his mind? Because that's reckless. And then when you get frustrated because God has delayed your timetable because things haven't worked out the way you think they should, should that really be a gauge for you to go, wow, wait a minute, I got to back up. I'm really upset about this delay. What am I missing? What am I not taking into consideration? What is it that, that God really may want for my life? So I hope that those three things can help you as you think about winding down your time in quarantine here. Lord willing, we'll be able to to do more and more things as we go. And you're going to have choices to make more and more about how do we do things, what do we do. And, And I hope that this time has given you an opportunity to really seek the Lord, to listen, and to think about what is important to not hold so tightly to some of those things that maybe we were concerned about before, that maybe some things need to change in our lives. And in reality, this whole story, you could sum it up and and remember that, that you could learn a whole lot from a talking donkey. The opportunity you have uh, to read stories like this and to see what God uses when we're not going to listen. What in your life do you need to seek wisdom about? How do you need to listen? And the reaction to the circumstances that you're having right now, how is that going to help you gauge your heart? Where is your heart right now? Why don't we pray? Father, thank you for these unique stories that you weave together in ways that that give us perspective and principle. And 
Lord, I pray that you would continue to allow us to enjoy your word and time together. Lord, thank you for these principles. I pray that we would seek your guidance, that that in times like this, when we have a moment to slow down and think about what life was like before and the pace of life that we had, that we can seek your wisdom that we can listen to what it is that you're trying to tell our hearts. And if we get frustrated by the things that you are saying, maybe we're not as close to you as we should be. So Lord, I pray you would draw us back to you, that we would engage ourselves in the things of you, that you would be making us more like your son Jesus today. Lord, thank you for loving us in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day.